Are you tired of spending hours sharing and sending offers to likers? Introducing Posher VA, the web program that will save you time and increase your sales. With Posher VA, you can automatically share your closet, send offers to likers, and schedule your share times all with just a few clicks. Using code ELDUCHO, you can try Posher VA for two weeks for free, no credit card required. Posher VA is not just another program, it is your program. Say goodbye to manual sharing and hello to even more time in your business. Try Posher VA today using code ELDUCHO, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. Welcome to the Flip the Script podcast. I'm your host, Denali, and I'm a full-time reseller on eBay and Poshmark. My store and closet name is El Ducho, E-L-D-U-C-H-O. You can also find me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as El Ducho Thrift. I'm very excited about this week's guest. I had the opportunity to interview a friend of mine, and her name is Tanya. You can find Tanya on Instagram under the username Volver Volver Vintage, and all of her information will be in the show notes of this episode for you. Tanya has been reselling part-time off and on for the past two decades, and it wasn't until the past six or seven years that she discovered people were doing it online full-time for full-time income. Tanya's reselling journey started in a niche but has branched out and she's been able to discover what she loves about reselling. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi, Tanya. Thanks for being on the podcast with me today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yes, I'm so excited to have you here and dig into this conversation with you. Tanya and I were just talking before I hit the record button and I realized that Tanya and I are pretty close in age. And so I'm excited to just hear about your journey and how things have progressed for you, because I think that I'm going to, and others probably who are our age are going to relate to your story. So thanks again for being here. But just to jump right into it, my first question for you is how and when did you first start reselling? So I started reselling when I was in college. So I went to UCSB in the early 2000s. And I started off by reselling my textbooks on eBay because the bookstores just gave you nothing for the books that were like $100 each. So in an effort to get some cash back, I would sell them on eBay at the end of each semester. And I would also buy the books cheaper on eBay. And it just started like that, a habit each semester. Um, When I was short on cash or short on rent, I would try and sell other stuff on eBay. So that's how I discovered reselling. That's awesome. I'm right there off the bat. I knew I was like, we're going to have these stories that line up. (laughs) The OG eBay days. (laughs) Right, exactly. Well, and, and I feel like just textbooks, that was something that was so new back when you and I were going to college at that time. And, you know, I know textbooks today are probably even more expensive than they were for us at that time. But the great and easy way to kind of recoup some of your money that I don't think everybody realized, but clearly Uh you and I did, is that you could be reselling them online. I think it really picked up speed, probably about getting a pretty high price back 
yeah I mean the bookstores only offered you like five or ten dollars which was really nothing right but like yeah. on eBay you could at least get half that money back you could get 50 you could get 60 like even 40 so I would be happy to take 40 over five dollars yeah the and like a lot of these were brand new books right they were sealed so you use them for what 10 weeks and mm-hmm. then only to get five dollars back from the bookstore so I would just take my chances on eBay yeah there was one textbook that I'll never forget I, I think it was an art history textbook that I paid it was over 100 we'll say 120 dollars for yeah. and maybe didn't crack it open as often as I should have so it was essentially <laughs> It was essentially brand new. And I remember going back to the bookstore and trying to sell it. And they told me, I think they told me like a dollar. Yeah. But I had bought it for 120. Yeah. Your, your $5 story. I'm just like, no, this is very real. They told me a dollar. And you know what, to be honest, that might've been like the first time it kind of clicked was like, there's gotta be somewhere else. What took you to eBay? I mean, had you been selling on eBay prior? Did you have some familiarity with it? I could sell this. Or no, you know what happened was by last year's edition, it's cheaper. And that kind of triggered me to explore this site. And I was like, oh yeah, you can buy cheaper books here. And that's where I, when I started buying books and then selling the books at the end of the semester. And for you, did you, did you ever think about selling books on Amazon, you know, that was like a thing at that time too. I mean, it was really, really early, but did you ever explore that? No, for some reason, I don't really remember Amazon that much while I was in college. I think eBay was just the most popular one at the time because I had yeah. the, the auction feature. So you could potentially win stuff for like really cheap on eBay. Right. So I really didn't use Amazon. So then with the starting of selling and buying textbooks on there, and then you said you kind of would casually buy and maybe sell stuff on there I mean how long kind of in your journey were you just kind of casually buying and selling on eBay before it clicked and you realized oh maybe this is a source of you know some sort of substantial income you know what I always did it casually like while I was in college and then once I graduated okay you had to get a real job right like it never Mm -hmm. really clicked that people were making of living off of reselling and then with so much pressure like from your parents and your family they're like okay like what are you going to do next so where are you going to get a job you know so I kind of just went the traditional route and got a job after college and then when was it like in 2008 the market crashed I got yeah. laid off of my first job after college like my first real big oh, no. job and I was like Oh, so then I started reselling again. I was like, well, I could make extra cash on eBay. I remembered that I made extra cash while I was in college. Mm -hmm. So I used eBay again to supplement my income while I was like in between jobs. But even again, at that time, this was probably like 2009, 2010. Even then it still didn't click that people were making full-time incomes. Like I was making good money, but at the same time, like I was living with my parents. I didn't have a mortgage, you know? So I was like, getting by and mm-hmm. it wasn't until really social media kicked in that I learned about like this reselling community and and what time period was that um that wasn't until like 2015 2015 I'm just like building a little timeline of your story. I know. okay so in 2008 when you got laid off from your job and you said you were just selling things on eBay to earn extra cash I mean again at that time right because you kind of mentioned like it didn't really occur to you that people were making full-time income on eBay. So were you again, just selling your own stuff at that time? Or had you even had that kind of epiphany where you're like, oh, wait a minute, I can sell 
other people's things or things from the thrift store? I've always been into like vintage clothing, like here in Los Angeles, I go to like swing shows and rockabilly shows. So I kind of grew up in kind of like that, what do you call it? That scene or that? Mm -hmm. So I would always purchase vintage clothing online for myself. So that kind of gave me the idea when I was out thrifting to pick up vintage clothing to resell it online. So that's what I did when I was in between jobs, I would go to the thrift store and source for vintage style clothing, true vintage or vintage inspired style, like pencil skirts, things like that. Things that I knew people were looking for. And then I would sell them online on eBay. Okay. So you did kind of have that thought of going to the stores early on. Uh, This is one of those hindsight questions. Do you look back at that time period and think like, huh, I really should have gone full force with that. Like I should have really throw myself into it yeah I I think about it all the time like it was definitely a missed opportunity because and then at that time I feel like at that time it was when it was auction so I would just Mm -hmm. start my auctions like at $9.99 and they would take off like 75% of them would just take off and like go up to like 40 50 60 dollars like wow you could really throw anything on and it would sell and even if it didn't catch you know, like a bidding war or something, you, you would still get your base price. Who do you feel like were your customers? I mean, who who was shopping on eBay that you felt like was buying, you know, was purchasing your items? I mean, I think there has always been a vintage community that's out there searching for these items. There are other vintage lovers that, you know, follow, look for items on eBay, or then they jump over to Etsy, like collectors, mostly collectors mm-hmm. that are looking for these items. Right, because that's really how eBay started was kind of as this kind of collectible site. I mean, to be honest, it didn't occur to me for until forever to really be thinking of buying or selling clothing there. So you were ahead of the curve for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in 2015, that's when you really kind of discovered this reselling community that people were doing it, you know, as some sort of full time or part time income in their life. So I guess, how did you enter it at that time? You know, what platforms did you start selling on? Did you continue down the path of, you know, just going after these vintage and true vintage items? How did it start there? Yeah. So in 2015, when I started reselling again on like eBay, I noticed the same stores, like now they were eBay stores, right? Now they had eBay stores and now I recognize the names so I would recognize vintage sellers and then I started exploring other sites like Etsy and I would notice like oh this girl sells on eBay like I used to follow her on eBay and now she has an Etsy store Mm -hmm. so then I started getting ideas and I was like okay I could do this part-time and like really make it a part-time business so I got my resale license and I registered my business name and I started listing true vintage both on eBay and then I started cross-listing over to Etsy. You were always kind of on eBay and you start cross-listing over to Etsy and then if we kind of fast forward to where you're at today you know what platforms are you selling on currently? So now I'm selling pretty much everywhere. I really I sell mostly on Poshmark now 
but now I expanded to like modern brands as well. Like when I discovered Poshmark, I think in 2018, I just came across it and I was like, oh, okay, what's this about? And then that's when I really saw that people weren't ex- expanding reselling outside of vintage. Cause I always considered reselling as vintage, mm-hmm. but then when Poshmark really exploded, I was like, oh, I could thrift anything, <laughs> you know, and yeah. resell anything now. <laughs> So I expanded over to Poshmark and it kind of over overtook my vintage. So now I cross list everywhere. I list over on Poshmark first and I cross list over to like Etsy, to eBay, to Depop and Mercari. I tried Facebook Marketplace, but I gave it up. I really didn't think so there. <laughs> yeah, I've tried it as well and I've given it up as well. I mean, only yeah. for local sales. I'll do it for yeah. local sales, but you know starting on eBay and then moving over to Poshmark. And you said that Poshmark is kind of now your main platform. I guess I have a few questions going around in my head. You know, I guess one, in terms of the clothes, you said that you noticed more modern clothing on Poshmark. Now, sometimes when I've spoken with vintage resellers, vintage clothing is a huge passion for them. And sometimes people who sell vintage have zero interest in selling modern clothing, Mm -hmm. right? It's kind of like... Maybe if they do do that, it's because it pays the bills. Maybe, you know, sometimes that stuff sells more frequently. I mean, what are your thoughts and feelings on it? I mean, I I imagine you maybe have some sort of a preference in here. Yeah. And this is kind of the dilemma that I find myself now, because I feel like in 2018, this whole thrifting and reselling exploded right to modern brands. And honestly, I feel like there was... I heard somebody say that it was a bubble, kind of like, kind of like the housing mm-hmm. bubble where, you yeah. know, it would, had just taken off, right? And things were selling and now it's kind of slowing down. So at the time I went for it because, you know, it was hot, you know, things were moving, things were selling, Poshmark was exploding, other apps came up after Poshmark. So Mm -hmm. for me, it was kind of, it was easier, right? It was so much easier to find modern clothing. Like you could go to any thrift store and find, you know, like a torrid top or like anything and list it and resell it. Whereas vintage was getting harder and harder to find. And listing vintage is also a lot more work for me. Whereas taking a picture of a blouse, you could just do a flat layer. You could put it on a hanger and take the square Mm -hmm. image and upload it. When I upload my vintage I like to put it on mannequins I like to style it you have to steam it you have to like it's a lot more work and it's a much more delicate garment than you know just a t-shirt you know yeah. so I was getting a little burnt out with the vintage and I was like hmm, let me take my chance over here on Poshmark and we sell modern clothing for a while so I was trying to do both and now I'm kind of like trying to go back to my roots and pivot back to vintage now that the sales over on Poshmark have slowed down a bit. Gotcha. So it sounds like it kind of just comes and goes in waves for you, but you don't have this strong pull or I guess for lack of a better word, you're not allergic to selling modern clothing. <laughs> oh no, not at all. Like because I see the value in it. And I think as resellers, we learn to see the value in things, whether it's vintage or whether it's like a t-shirt that you find at the thrift store, whether it's shoes, you know, I think the longer you resell, the longer, the more you notice value in things where that, where you'll resell it, regardless if it's vintage or not, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned that, you know, with the vintage clothing, it takes you longer to 
process the garments because you are spending more time on the details. And there are a lot of details and information to be learned when selling vintage clothing. So I'm curious, I know that you said you've kind of been in this swing and rockabilly scene for a lot of your life, but where do you feel you obtained information about vintage clothing or vintage styles or even advice for somebody who's looking to learn more about vintage? Honestly, it's just exploring and looking at other listings. That's how you're going to learn. If you find something that you want to list, do well now you can do a Google Lens search, right? And it'll pop out. Mm -hmm. all these, it's so much easier now before you really have to like scour and look and like maybe type in a keyword, like a pencil skirt, look up fabrics. There's a website called Vintage Fashion Guild. And mm -hmm. that one really taught me a lot about like labels and styles and cuts and things like that. Just like watching movies and TV shows. But honestly, it's a lot of it is shopping. Like even if you're not buying anything, just scrolling through through the listings and looking at styles you like or something that you've seen and just learning more about it from other listings. And do you feel like in your time selling vintage clothing, is there something? you know is there something that you can look back on maybe an instance or a period in time where I don't know maybe you kind of made bad decisions with your when you picked up vintage items like for instance just to give you an example for me with modern clothing you know sometimes I would pick up items because I thought they were cute right mm -hmm. but cute doesn't always equal re good resale value or yeah. that even anybody wants to buy it in general you know, is there something like that in your in your time selling vintage clothing that you can think of? I think for me, it was, I would pick up a lot of like Y2K items. Mm -hmm. Like items that were, were like 80s does 40s or 90s does 50s. And I would kind of like, not that I didn't know, but I would post them as like, oh, 50 style dress and things like that. Instead of actually doing the research and finding out more about like that maker. Like, I think there's this brand called All That Jazz that's mm -hmm. really popular on its own. So if I would have like listed it as an 80s does 50s dress and done more research on the label, like on its own, that label would have sold for a lot more instead mm -hmm. of like posting it you know like as like a whatever dress so I think early on I didn't really do a lot of research on older labels I would just pass it off like oh vintage style dress whereas if I would have done more research like oh this isn't all that jazz you know manufactured dress that brand had a pretty large following on its own no that makes sense mm -hmm. were there ever items in your time reselling this one's just kind of a fun or not fun question to ask mm -hmm. but a vintage item that you maybe undersold it because you didn't you know kind of the same sort sort of situation like because maybe you didn't have the brand or style knowledge oh my god yes this is like what haunts <laughs> me like especially like vintage jumpsuits like the, mm. like the mid-century ones the 50s ones are so oh, rare wow. and hard to find like I remember I sold one and I was like and again this was me not doing my research even like back five years ago like I would be like oh a hundred dollars and I would be mm -hmm. like a oh, hundred dollars is a lot but those are worth like five hundred dollars you know no no so I would like sell them and be like oh well I paid ten dollars for it I got a hundred dollars but I'm like now I look back and I'm like oh my god that like right now that 
jumpsuit would have been worth a grand if I was. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we live and we learn, right? Yeah. And, and you, like you said, you made $90. So you yeah. came out on top. <laughs> yeah. But certainly we have all, I, yeah, we all have those sorts of stories in our, in our back pocket that are fun to tell or not so fun to tell. <laughs> Maybe yeah. a little bit of salt in the wound there. Okay. So you said that you're selling on kind of everywhere, a lot of different platforms. Have you ever done or explored, you know, different types of like in-person selling, whether it be at? Um, I've never really experienced theft, but it does get a little hectic. I mean, it just depends on the group that you're doing it with. And like, if you're participating, like in a larger, maybe like a flea market, like a Rose Bowl type market, obviously you're going to have like hundreds. There's like thousands of people that go through that market. Right. So you can expect mm-hmm. uh, high traffic. I've also done like yard sales. So you never know what to expect. So I've had sales where I've had one sale and I've sales where I've like almost sold out and made thousands. So it really is like, you never know, you know, you could do great or you could do poorly, but I love it. And um, how much, mm-hmm. how much of your business is it a part of now? I mean, you know, I live in a state where the weather kind of dictates our outside activities, but you're in Southern California where generally there's no rain. I know you guys have had some recently, but you know, generally you have beautiful sunny weather. So how much of the live selling is part of your business now? Um, so I, I do them like quarterly. So I do one like in the fall, one in the spring, one in the summer, things like that. This year I've done four already. So I've been doing them once a month. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And that's just from, again, being kind of part of that community online. That's where you hear about those opportunities. Yeah, I hear a lot. I find a lot of them on Instagram. And honestly, I'll just like, if I see another sale happening, I'll just like DM them and ask them like, oh, what's the process like? Is there an application? Some of them have waiting lists. I think I'm on a waiting list for like a weightier flea market, I think. So I'm just waiting to hear back from that one. But most of the time... I learn about sales in, on Instagram. To kind of take on a, a new meaning of live selling, you know, in the past year, we've had a lot of platforms come out like Whatnot and Poshmark live selling. Have you ever explored any of that aspect of live selling online? Yeah. So I tried Whatnot over the summer. I mean, at the beginning, I was interested, but it ended up just being a lot of work for very little return like I mm-hmm. I felt that people were just looking for bargains I tried pause shows too when it was still in beta so maybe my first sale I did okay but I think it was because it was just so limited there weren't many shows going on now I feel like there's so many going on that I mean yeah. some shows have like four people in them and or now they're exploring like what what are they like those quiet shows where there no oh, one's yeah. even on camera. Like, I don't know. I don't understand what they are, but I've heard about them. I but yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Shows. Yeah, the silent shows. I'm like, I thought the whole point of being live was to, you know, be on camera. So Right. <laughs> yeah. So I tried it, but it wasn't for me. So I might do it once in a while. For me, it would I thought it was great for maybe like a clearance sale or something like that, but I wouldn't do them regularly. Mm-hmm. 
I know firsthand how exhausting it can be to manage all the tasks in my reselling business, like listing, bookkeeping, and more. But I've found a solution that has given me back my time and allowed me to grow my business, hiring a virtual assistant. And now I wanna share that solution with you. That's why I've created an online course called Hiring a Virtual Assistant for Your Reselling Business. With this course, you'll learn everything you need to know to find, train, and manage a virtual assistant like a pro. And because I want to make this course accessible to everyone, I'm offering a special coupon code, Flip the Script, that gives you $10 off at checkout. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your reselling business to the next level. Sign up now at hiringava.com and let's enjoy the freedom and fun of growing our businesses together. Again, you can sign up at hiringava.com. And I'm just curious, when you did them, were you doing shows of just modern, just vintage, or a mix of both? So I would curate them. So I would do like, oh, I'm doing a t-shirt show, and then just the only t-shirts. And then I did like a vintage hard goods, like vintage decor, and I did all like vintage, like bowls and decorations and things like that. Yeah, I just tried different I would curate each show and try different items, but in the long run, I just thought it was not for me. (laughs) Yeah, understandable, especially because when we talk about vintage items, oftentimes those items can take a little bit longer to sell because you're looking for the right buyer for this exact item. And so selling it at live auction where you're kind of not guaranteed, you know, an audience or the right audience in that moment. I mean, you could really undersell a lot of valuable items. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. (laughs) And I did it myself. I've experienced it as well. Okay. So tell me about your workspace and your business operation. Are you operating your business out of your house, apartment? Do you have an office? What does this look like for you? Yeah. So I work out of my home. I my boyfriend and I just purchased our home together in December. So I finally have my own space. I have an extra bedroom where I have my desk and I work remotely too. So I, this is my, my office where I do my regular nine to five day job. And then after work, I'll do my reselling in here. And I have, I keep my inventory in this closet in here. So how do you, well, first off, congrats about the house. That's very exciting. Thank you. Yeah. You know, how do you manage having a full-time job, right? You said you have your nine to five during the day and then you're reselling as <laughs> I would say, then what you're five to nine before you go to bed. <laughs> yeah. And then you're five to nine in the morning before you start your, your, uh, your nine to five. So, you know, it's this business that kind of never shuts off. I mean, do you, are you the type of personality where you kind of have a schedule for yourself throughout the week or do you go to the business when you feel like putting more effort into it one day as opposed to another? How yeah, definitely. I take that flexibility. I'm a Libra. So it's like one days I'm a hundred percent and other days I'm like, no, no energy. So <laughs> yeah, I like as sales come in, I do make an effort to like, like share my closet every day and, you know, just update some listings but I don't have sales every day. So when I have sales, I'll package them up and ship. And then other days I do try and schedule to do batching. So I like to batch work like once, 
one day of the week, I'll take all my photographs. And then throughout the week, I will like list them and do my listings, get my listings up. And then another day I will package them up and put them away in my inventory, things like that. I like to split my work between days a lot. Yeah. And then I know that, you know, you're in the reselling community and that social media is also part of your business. I know that you have a YouTube channel. So throwing that kind of into the mix, how do you make time for content among all the other different parts of your job? So what I've been trying to do with YouTube is do a monthly schedule. So I plan out my my videos ahead of time and then I batch try and batch record them if I can. So I have, I think I do Monday through, <laughs> I think I do, I do Monday and Wednesdays, the days that I <laughs> upload. Yeah. So I just try to stay, remain consistent and stay on top of, you know, editing my videos and uploading them on those dates. Nice. That's smart. I need to like, take, take note of this. I, I don't batch work as often as I should, but definitely with things when it comes to social media. And I wish I did yeah. because it's nice to kind of, like you said, you know, I definitely do it on the listing side in my business so that I kind of always have new items to be putting out there. But, but then if, you know, you're a person who's interested in exploring social media and it really is about putting content out there, right? That's our equivalent of a listing. You've got to have it to be able to publish it. And it does take time. It's not, it's like photographing and measuring and putting that item into inventory doesn't just, you know, happen in the blink of an eye. So that's really smart. Okay. So, you know, in thinking about where your business is at now and how it's kind of evolved through the years, you know, what do you feel like are some of the challenges that you face right now? Honestly, right now, I feel like I'm stuck in between like reselling the modern brands on Poshmark and going back to vintage because I feel like I don't know I don't know how it is for you but for me this year I've seen a decline in sales more than even through COVID like I feel Mm. like we I at least me I was able to cruise through COVID you know even with the shutdown like I feel like sales were still up maybe because you know obviously people wanted to order things online instead of go out to the stores. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like this year I've seen more of a sharp decline. And even on social media, I see a lot of more people saying like, Oh, a lot of people are going to question whether to leave reselling. Is it even worth it anymore? And for a split second, I was like, Oh, is it even worth it? You know, sales have declined, but then I'm like, I've always been part-time. I've always use reselling as a cushion so I think more than ever it's going to continue to be my cushion Mm -hmm. and I'm just gonna I'm just trying to focus more on you know listing those items that are yeah I might sit sit on them a bit longer but I'm trying to to raise my sale price instead of just like listing anything and everything and you know getting lowballed for five dollars you know I'm just trying to right trying to stay more focused and cut my cut my expenses you know not go crazy sourcing when I don't need to I'm being really strict with sourcing and only sourcing when I need to and you know being more selective with the items that I'm picking up and getting those listings up sooner no more dead piles just being a little more strict with my reselling this year yeah that's smart no and I do understand what you're saying about 
during COVID and feeling like you kind of cruised through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on the surface, it kind of maybe seems like a weird statement for us to say. Yeah. But the truth is, is that, you know, while there was an uncertainty about how things would go in our business during that time, we were a business that was solely online. Yeah. And that's how people started shopping. Anybody who had kind of been a holdout for purchasing things online in the past really got pushed in that direction. And yeah. so there was just newer customers in that way. And then just more of the existing ones. So it, it wasn't the worst time if you had inventory to sell. And so, yeah, kind of getting back to this new normal of what does shopping look like right now? And with social media in general, you kind of said like people wanting to get in or out of it. And I think, you know, what what's also changed during that time is a rise in other types of selling, right? Like we mentioned the whatnot and the Poshmark live shows and uh, there's new social media apps like TikTok and people sell on TikTok. There's so many different ways. And so maybe there is some sort of saturation that's happened. Yeah, and that's I agree. Uh-huh. Possibly I think affected us or we're feeling just the effects of it. Yeah. And also just the economy, right? With all this inflation that's going on and uncertainty, right. I do feel that it's having an effect on reselling platforms changing and so many new platforms and also not just platforms like brands now like I feel like so many brands have some sort of like upcycling or buy book buyback program now where like I mean True. five ten years ago there was nothing like that and now you know with thread up and these like other companies I feel like it is getting a little harder um, but I think it's just important to like niche down and yeah. really focus on what you, what you know and what works for you and hone in on that. No, that's a really good point. I hadn't even thought about that, but you mentioning the buyback programs, you're right. There's been this huge, I would say rise in the past couple of years of companies that have either, as you mentioned, partnered with companies like ThreadUp to do some sort of you know, clothing recycling program, and I use those words loosely, uh, or independently, mm-hmm. they've started their own sort of resale program. I, you know, one that comes to mind for me is, and a very popular one would be Patagonia, right, where you can send clothes back in and and purchase used clothing on the website, which is yeah. really cool. And it's changing the way that I think consumers view how they want to purchase the condition of garments and hopefully changing the mindset. I mean, in the bigger picture, I, I'd like to maybe be an optimist and think, Hey, it's good for us. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That uh, we're introducing this to people who maybe wouldn't have considered pre-owned clothing in the past, but in the same breath, it is more competitive. And as you mentioned, niching down is a smart thing to do right do and and niching down I mean it's so personal I think to every every reseller it's it kind of means like do what you do best right yeah exactly yeah and everybody's so different right your business you know what works for you I know what works for me the person you know listening to this might know what works for them so and again that's what makes reselling I mean so diverse right so many different people Mm -hmm. can sell so many different things 
Yeah, exactly. Okay, so on that note of <laughs> us talking about maybe these challenges and, and a little bit of the negatives in reselling, you know, I, I guess I was also curious, had there has there ever been a thought of going full time? Is that something you considered? I've never really considered it, you know? Well, I think also it's a lot to do with like I'm first generation Latina and like my parents are so, how do you say it? so conservative where they're like oh you need a real job you know like a nine to five mm-hmm. they're like so indoctrined indoctrined with having a nine to five and that defines success right yeah so it's kind of like you kind of have to prove them wrong in order for them to believe it's a successful <laughs> business but I'm I also like I don't want to be consumed with just reselling like I like having my nine to five I clock in I clock out and I don't take my job with me and it's kind of like I disconnect yeah. from it I'm just I just get so scared with going full-time that it's going to be all consuming and obviously you can't turn it on and off and you have to right you know put in so much time that I feel like if I did then I would end up hating it yeah so for and now I, I like having and again I'm a Libra I need balance I need like <laughs> I need um I need to disconnect from it so I feel like but I also feel like reselling is my safety net whereas if tomorrow I were to get laid off I feel confident in knowing that I could go full-time and I could get you know it would cover my expenses if I because I'm able to do it I know how to do it I'm comfortable and I would be able to do it if I had to. No, I mean, it makes total sense what you're saying. I mean, Mm -hmm. when you said if you went full time, you're concerned that it would be all consuming. And I think, you know, even if we change out the word reselling and we just say small business owner of any kind, right? It's just a true statement. It is very all consuming. I'd be hard pressed to find a small business owner who isn't thinking 24 seven about what they're doing. And and I think it's great that you said, you, you know, you get to clock out and then in, in some ways you get to, <laughs> sounds bad because it makes it sound like I don't, but you get to enjoy reselling. Yeah, I and do. It, I enjoy it as a part-time reseller. I enjoy it. I love like the potential that it has. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And, and that can be challenging again, when you are the small business owner in the thick of it and you know, sometimes the fun gets sucked out some of the times, not all the times, but some of the times. And so, yeah, you're getting to kind of have the best of both worlds, which is really great. So, you know, looking at your business now in 2023, which is so crazy to say, kind of from this, (laughs) from this time of, of transition that we went through with our businesses in during COVID, you know, where do you see the future of your business going right now? So right now I'm thinking of focusing more on the vintage, as I said earlier, and just cool it with the thrifting, um, like modern clothing. Obviously, if I find a good deal, if I see, if I find something that has value, I'm still going to pick it up. But right. I think I'm focusing more on vintage now. And again, just niche down, focus on my photographing and listing. And even if I have to hold off on items, mm-hmm. I still want to do a part time and work out of my home. I've been exploring consignment lately. I've been consigning with a store in Los Angeles. And it's kind of like, I have this like idea of maybe not now, obviously, but like in the future, having my own <laughs> consignment store, like my brick and mo- my own brick and mortar consignment store, something oh, similar. That's cool. 
in Orange County. That's cool. So with the consignment store that you've been working with, I'm guessing that you're taking them vintage items? Yeah, I've been taking them vintage and some modern brands that I find here and there. What I like about the store is that they have everything. They have vintage, they have designer, they have, you know, trendy brands. They have everything. Mm -hmm. And I like that. So I've been exploring them. They have like this cool like rent-a-rack program where where they rent you the rack and you can track your sales online. You can do everything. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. (laughs) That's really cool. Yeah. So, you know, I guess looking for some insider information here, what do you Mm -hmm. feel like does well when you take stuff in? Like what, what are you finding sells quickly or what have they told you that they're looking for? You know what? I feel like TikTok is great. (laughs) Like research. Whatever's turning on TikTok is what sells. Like, I just did a sale like two weeks ago, and I don't know if you know this show, Daisy Jones and the Six. Like, it was oh like yeah, I heard of it. Yeah, so it was like all it's all like seventies inspired, like Stevie Nicks style clothing. Like, so I took a bunch of like seventies vintage, and I sold a a lot of it. Like a lot of it moved really fast. So I feel like whatever's trending on TikTok, yeah, sells great. That's interesting. Okay, so you're saying that people are kind of looking for 70s stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I would have said in the past couple of years that people were looking for maybe 90s or Y2K styles. I I mean, Mm -hmm. is that, do you feel like that's on its way out? Are people still looking for that sort of stuff? I feel like it has slowed down a bit. I feel like I I am holding on to stuff longer than it was moving. But Mm -hmm. I feel like But I feel like in general, trends move so fast now and brands move so fast now. Like even brands like Reformation, like a few years ago, it was like the hottest thing. And even now it sits around Mm -hmm. and there's like a whole new list of, you know, designers and brands that you have to learn about. So I just think trends and brands are like when we say fast fashion, like it's not just fast fashion. It's like hyper drive fashion now. Like, yeah. in weeks and in a few short weeks like oh that's out of style they've moved on to the next trend that's true because I think a lot of times we will see it when we're at the thrift stores Mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden it'll be a lot of one style and you can tell that it's from those companies like Shein or Forever 21 you can just Mm -hmm. tell that that it's like this dupe quality you know of whatever was hot at the moment and now here's a bunch of it <laughs> that yeah. nobody wants at the thrift store mm-hmm. yes and there's almost no I, I mean sometimes there's almost no resale value to those items because the cost of it you know when we look at those websites like Shein it's you know the garment maybe only sold for I mean what ten dollars maybe yeah sometimes exactly. I mean it's it's so inexpensive that it's I think it's really more rare to find a fast fashion item that resells for more than it's actually worth. Yeah. Well, you know, looking back here at your long journey, I say that kind of chuckling to myself because yours is as long as mine. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, what advice would you give yourself, Tanya, if you were, you know, looking back, I don't know, at any point in your, your journey, what would you have told yourself that you feel like would have helped you now today? I would just, I mean, it sounds so cliche, but like, trust your gut, like you have like, 
you have an instinct and you know what works for you, don't doubt yourself. Like, go with it. Do, do your research and just trust yourself to follow through and maybe tune people out. Because if I would have, mm-hmm. you know, tuned out, tuned out my parents, like, pressuring me, like, oh, when are you going to get a real job? Or, you know, like, all of this outside pressure when you were on the right path, you know? So I would just say to trust yourself. Yeah, no, I think that that's great advice. And it it's funny, because once again, I feel like I don't know, <laughs> whether it's like our, our families, or it's our age lining up, or, yeah, the period of time when you and I were dabbling and reselling in the early aughts, you know, for myself, I would, I would say something very similar of, you know, yeah. it sounds really mean to say tune people out, or maybe not that mean, but you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah going with your gut because you and I were kind of, we were doing it, you know, but then there was this outside pressure from family to get your college degree, go the traditional route, get a, you know, nine to five job. Yeah. Because that's how, you know, maybe the culture they grew up in, that's what success was. That's what success looks like. Yeah. To them. Right. But now for you and I, I think that we look at people who are 18 years old and they're reselling. I mean, sometimes they're younger than 18 years old. They're still in high school and they're doing just as many sales as we are, if not better with tons of resources. And, you know, it's not like you they're paying for their college tuition with right. reselling. Like I'm like, oh my god, I should have done that, and I would have had right, exactly. Done. I mean, yeah. you and I were just like selling our textbooks so we could go get like McDonald's or Taco Bell. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't occur to us that it's like we could have paid for our tuition with that, <laughs> or you know, we could have even questioned our journey of you know, did, you know, pursuing higher education. Is that something? that we wanted to do at that time? Or could we have just gone all in on reselling and where would it have landed us, you know? But I think we're doing okay. I don't know what you think. (laughs) Yeah, we're doing great. It's a great side hustle and it's a great way to pay for bills now. Now I'm using it to like remodel my home. So that's exciting. Yeah, there's still a lot of opportunity out there. So feel free to anyone that's out there even just like wondering if they could do it, just go for it. Try it. It's like zero investment. You can download an app for free, go in your closet, like stuff that you don't want anymore, sell it and use that money to fund your business. Yeah, no, that's great advice. I mean, it, it really is sometimes as simple as that. And we, you know, we tend to overthink kind of the process of, well, I have, you know, I saw somebody say I have to have these lighting or I have to have these brands and the truth is, is that everything you have or everything that you need, you already have. If you have a phone yeah. and you have some items to sell, that's all you need to get started. Yep, that's <laughs> all you need. Well, thank you so much, Tanya. This has been such a fun conversation. I feel like, you know, it's it's always a treat to talk with somebody who kind of grew up at the same time and had the same experience and, and uh, I don't know, maybe commiserate a little bit of it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thanks again to Tanya for being on this week's episode of the podcast. Again, you can find Tanya on Instagram and YouTube under the username Volver Volver Vintage. And all of this information will be in the show notes of this episode for you. 
Well, I'm back from vacation and my voice has recovered. Coming back into your business after vacation can go one of two ways. Either you're relaxed and rested from the time off, or you need a vacation from your vacation to recover. I think I am the latter of those two this time. Tax time is coming up soon. If you haven't filed yet, it's crunch time. Or maybe you need a little extra time. Don't forget to file your extensions. The good news? Hopefully buyers will be getting their refund checks and looking online at our items for sale. But until next time, keep on listing and keep on selling. Hey there, thanks for tuning into the Flip the Script podcast. I wanted to take a quick moment to express my gratitude for your continued support. As a listener, you play a crucial role in the success of this podcast. And there's so many ways you can help out and I'd love to share a few with you. For starters, you can support the podcast with a monthly donation as low as 99 cents at flipthescriptpodcast.com. Every little bit counts. And if you want to show your love even more, don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. I read every review and really appreciate those who've left reviews already. And last but not least, be sure to check out the affiliate links in the show notes. There is a small kickback that is received from any purchases that you might make. And of course, follow flipthescript.pod on Instagram. It's also a great way to stay up to date on the latest episodes and behind the scenes content. Thank you again for being a part of the Flip the Script community. I couldn't do it without you.